Welcome everyone to um, one of our episodes of podcasts with Synapse, um, our neurology, neurosurgery and psychiatry student association um, associated with Melbourne Medical School and the University of Melbourne. Today we have the honour of having Professor Tissa Widjaratni, um, the Chair of World Brain Day for World Federation Neurology and also the Founder and Chair of Mindbrain Foundation Australia. So I'd like to thank him very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Thank you so much, James. Uh, first of all, for this uh, fantastic initiative, which I'm aware that had been going on for some time, and also to having me on board. And it's a pleasure and honor to be here because you all are the future leaders. Uh, mm. Thank you very much. So today our um, topic of discussion would be around headache medicine and migraine. So, um, Professor Tissa, in your opinion, what is the importance of headache medicine for medical students? James, uh, this is a very good question. Let me get back to your current uh, data on headache disorders. Uh, as of today, there are close to 3 billion people worldwide uh, suffering from some sort of a headache disorder. The published figure is uh, just over 2 billion but I am editing a special issue for neuroepidemiology looking at the global burn disease data. We have many headache disorders that we haven't calculated yet. So my assumption, my, the estimation is roughly around 3 billion headache sufferers worldwide as of today. That's almost close to two-thirds of the world population. So it's a huge problem. As medical students who are going to be future doctors and future leaders in healthcare, whether you like it or not, you are going to deal with headache disorders much more than anything else. That is the commonest medical disorder affecting humankind globally at this point of time. So it's a huge, important issue if you were to practice as a doctor anywhere in the world today and tomorrow, of course. Mm. Like you were saying, um, headache is definitely a very um, prevalent condition within both the community and there's still a lot of headache conditions that are yet to properly be diagnosed. So I guess um, given that there's so many different types of headaches, how should medical students begin by differentiating headaches in their daily practice? You, you, you raised another very important question. Let me take uh, my medical student days uh, which is uh, almost uh, 25, 26 years ago. At that time, we had a very primitive classification of uh, headache disorders, uh, thanks to International Headache Society, which now has have improved, ha had improved significantly to international classification of headache disorders uh, type 3. So if any of your colleague, a medical student, Google international headache uh, disorders classification, they could get a free PDF uh, free sort of web site uh, you can download in your mobile phone. So all the headache disorders that uh, we know as of today uh, have been included there. And this is an evolving condition. So there would be international classification of headache disorders uh, four in a couple of years down the track. So that's one area to start. The second area to start is uh, at this point of time, at least uh, well over one billion people worldwide are suffering from one of the most pervasive disorders that is affecting us and 
lead, causing many people to come to the emergency department is migraine. So that's uh, another headache disorder that uh, you must master as of today. And the tension type headache uh, disorders uh, are also important. They may not come to the hospital straight away, but they do cause uh, significant uh, impairment uh, of uh, human joy also. The number of uh, tension type headache disorders uh, sufferers worldwide uh, are well over 1 billion, probably more so than migraine patients also. Then very recently, uh, myself included, a bunch of us uh, described another headache disorder, which we classify as uh, 21st century headache. We think uh, this uh, 21st century headache is uh, even more prevalent uh, and probably causing a significant disability also. The manuscript is available. If you Google 21st century headache, you would see our manuscript uh, that you can access uh, freely. So that's uh, emerging. And then uh, the you and me both know that we are in the middle of a pandemic uh, at this point of time. You and me both know that this pandemic is not going to leave us anytime soon. Vaccine-related headaches are quite common, and uh, the COVID-19 infection-related headaches uh, are also common. So these are, I would probably concentrate on a few of uh, these things to begin with, as uh, they are right now burning us. And then as you rotate through clinical rotations, uh, uh, family practitioners or general practitioners rotations, uh, you would uh, see some of the other disabling uh, rare type of headache disorders, uh, including bust headaches, uh, hemicrania continua, sunct uh, suna, trigeminal neuralgia, uh, things like that. So the, the, it's basically, as I continue to say, that uh, the, you learn medicine by seeing patients. You learn medicine by getting your hands dirty by dealing with patients. It's very much like swimming. You can do a PhD on swimming, but you won't be a swimmer un unless you actually practice uh, how to swim. Uh, or you could uh, read a whole lot of books about uh, how to drive a car, but unless you have actually driven a car or unless you have learned how to drive a car, you would not uh, do that, uh, even if you completed a PhD or number of research papers on how to drive a car. So I would basically learn the common headache disorders uh, first and foremost. Uh, I think the priority should be migraine to begin with. And then if you still have time, uh, go through some of the other things that I mentioned. Uh, and then every opportunity that you meet uh, to meet a headache disorder patient, which should probably be every day as they are so common, uh, I would read around them and learn around them, ask questions from registrars, ask questions uh, from consultants, uh, email us. Uh, and then sort of make that uh, learning experience. I'm happy mm -hmm. to elaborate this further if you're not uh, satisfied with my answer. No, that was definitely a very comprehensive view um, on the headaches and provides a very good starting point for medical students to begin um, understanding headaches and differentiating between them. Like you mentioned, um, patients are definitely the best textbook um, for medical students to learn from. Um, but I guess amongst all these different types of headaches, what are some of the red flag diagnosis that uh, as medical students, we definitely should not miss um, when we're seeing a headache patient? So the, the, the medicine is a humble science. Uh, the, the, let's take uh, migraine uh, for an example. The number of uh, the migraine is uh, indeed the leading cause of uh, disability worldwide uh, among people who are younger than 50 years of age. I stress this uh, 
uh, not uh, the because of ageism or discriminating against uh, older folks. Uh, I myself is an older folk now. But the reason that I raise this point is uh, people who are younger than 50 are basically the large, large chunk of working force uh, in this world. These are your plumbers, these are your electricians, these are your emergency medicine uh, uh, interns, uh, medical registrars, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, these are your young nurses, uh, these are your young bus drivers, uh, tram drivers, uh, the petrol shed owners, uh, or the cafe staff. So these folks basically hold the society up. So that's, that's one thing. And the second thing is uh, migraine is also the leading cause of uh, disability in Australia at this point of time, costing about uh, $40 billion. That said, it's very easy to misdiagnose uh, migraine as something else. And it is also easy to diagnose uh, something else as migraine. Uh, every year I would see a patient with a stroke. Uh, that the, 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 that that patient was seen by someone in the emergency department in a premier hospital, and they were diagnosed as migraine, but they actually had a stroke. And it goes the other way around also. Migraine patients do get uh, thrombolized, thinking that uh, they got a stroke. Uh, so I, I'm coming around to your question. Your question is, uh, how does a medical student recognize red flag uh, with regard to a headache patient uh, when they see Say, for an example, could that be a tension-type headache or migraine-type headache, where there shouldn't be a primary reason underlying uh, that was a secondary cause underlying that headache uh, other than the headache itself. So there are some, a lot of mnemonics around. Uh, one of the mnemonics that is coming to my mind is uh, what is known as uh, SNOOP-10 list. Uh, this was started at SNOOP-4, uh, initiated by Professor David Dodick from Mayo Clinic, but this has now expanded. So the, the S stands for systemic uh, symptoms, uh, particularly things such as uh, fever. So if a particular patient is coming in with headache, with systemic symptoms, specifically around pandemic uh, or vaccine, uh, the related uh, adverse effect uh, uh, scenario that uh, we deal with at this point of time, it is important to ask the question, could this headache be related to or attributed to an infection or other problem or pre-endocrine problems such as carcinoid or pheochromocytoma. So any systemic symptom. So that stands for S. So the N stands for two things. Uh, neoplasm in history or neoplasm at uh, this point of time, someone with uh, lymphoma or any other malignancy or previous uh, brain malignancy. Brain cancers uh, do not always present with headaches, uh, but the, if, if there's any sort of a smell of a neoplasm or past history of neoplasm, that's a red flag. I would, I would be hesitant to diagnose tension-type headache or other primary headache disorder on those patients uh, until I rule those things out. So that stands for first in out of uh, uh, SNOOP-10. So in other words, uh, this SNOOP-10 has S, N, N, double O, and then P10. So the second N is uh, a patient uh, with headaches, uh, but some sort of a neurological deficit or dysfunction, such as uh, loss of consciousness, uh, seizures, uh, uh, neurological signs, uh, ongoing symptoms. Sometimes this can be related to migraine, but uh, at a medical student level, it is good to 
exclude secondary causes before you go ahead and diagnose a primary headache disorder such as migraine or tension type headache or other primary headache disorders. So that stands for the second N. So then there are double O out of this snoop four. The, that double O on the, the first O is uh, onset of headache is sudden or abrupt. Uh, this is basically known as thunderclap headache. Uh, any headache that develops to maximum severity under a minute uh, is regarded as thunderclap headache. So one of the differential diagnoses for thunderclap headache is subarachnoid hemorrhage. You may remember, James, uh, when I was teaching uh, your class, uh, the uh, the, I, I used to ask a question from medical students. What are the three ways to diagnose subarachnoid hemorrhage? Students are very quick to come up with first two answers. Uh, as you may remember, they would say that uh, do a CT scan of the head. Uh, and then a bunch of students would raise their hand up and say that you do a lumbar puncture as CT scan is not 100% sensitive to pick up uh, subarachnoid hemorrhage. But almost never I get a student uh, answering the third uh, question without me giving them some sort of a prompt uh, or some sort of a help. So that is post-mortem. So if you miss the subarachnoid hemorrhage with CT and subarachnoid hemorrhage, if you don't do those two things, if your patient uh, has thunderclap headache due to subarachnoid hemorrhage, they are going to die. So the only way that you're going to make a diagnosis is then at a post-mortem. Obviously, there are no sensible medical students in the world who would want to make a diagnosis of subarachnoid hemorrhage at a post-mortem. So that's the first O. Onset of headache, abrupt or sudden. So the second O is uh, headaches uh, that are occurring at old age. So the old age, uh, my famous joke is uh, I define old as anyone who is older than me. But uh, but I, I'll, I'll I'll leave that uh, that joke out of the way. And here what I mean what I mean by old age is uh, roughly anyone older than fifty years of age. If they are coming to you with headaches for the first time, again. Migraine does uh, appear on this. I have written a review article on this, which is available uh, in PubMed, uh, I think last year, year before, the headache in elderly. But as a generic rule, it's good to exclude other secondary headache disorders before you go ahead and diagnose the primary headache disorder. In particular, things like uh, temporal arthritis, uh, also known as giant cell arthritis, uh, or other headaches uh, that uh, could be attributed to other cranial or neck disorders, uh, sometimes uh, other non-vascular intracranial problems, uh, neoplasms uh, uh, again. So they, they can be presenting as uh, the headaches uh, in elderly, headaches uh, over 50 people. So that's the second row out of this uh, snoop 10. So now we have to tackle uh, the 10 Ps. So the first P is uh, any pattern change your recent onset of headache. I remember as a young medical registrar years ago at Christchurch Hospital while I was working at the sort of a night shift, there was a patient on whom I sort of cleverly diagnosed migraine. And then I wrote on the notes, we didn't have EMI at that time. I wrote on the notes that this patient can go home as the patient is completely symptom-free. But as I was walking away from ED to make myself a cup of tea before I go and clock the other patient, uh, a thought came into my mind. This lady who happened to be a taxi driver in Christchurch for a long period of time did never come to the emergency department in the middle of the night with her migraine. Why did she come tonight? Uh, so I went back and asked questions again, but I couldn't still differentiate anything uh, from her history. So she was basically telling me that it was very similar to her migraine. 
at that time though i just told to myself that look there's something uh, smelly here or something fishy here i better do a ct scan to make sure that i'm not missing a tiny subarachnoid hemorrhage despite the examination was normal so when i did the ct scan bando so there was uh, the leaking aneurysm with uh, blood on, on ct with headache completely resolved and no neurological signs and uh, so obviously the patient survived and patient underwent uh, surgery and uh, the i think the the thing that uh, saved my registration and my future career as a neurologist at that time was uh, somehow i picked up uh, there was some pattern change to her migraine despite she was not accepting it that time as she did come to the emergency department this doesn't mean that every patient who come to emergency department must get a ct or everyone is having subarachnoid hemorrhage you get the point the point that i'm trying to raise is uh, any pattern change uh, on their headache disorders this was a woman who had migraine for long 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 time but never attended ed with headaches so there would have been some pattern change despite i could not elicit at that history at that time so that's first p out of the 10 p's then the another p to remember is positional headache position the headache can get worse in migraine also with positional changes but sometimes uh, uh, csf leak or csf uh, high pressure such as idiopathic intracranial hypertension so this is i'm talking about csf hypertension and csf hypotension so th- these are things that you need to contemplate so any patient uh, who has a particular clinical phenotype in their history with positional headache uh, that i would go as uh, second p so the third p is uh, headaches that are precipitated by the coughing sneezing sneezing straining laughing so the the these things sometimes be related to pathology in the posterior cranial fossa or chiari malformation where so you have a little bit of a cerebellar tonsillar herniation again i remind everyone that medicine is a humble science many migraine patients could explain this also but as a medical student i would keep that as a red flag so that's my third p so the fourth p is obviously swelling in the optic disc or papilledema you know how important it is to look at the retinal health you did a scoping review in this topic yes, as, as per your research project so any patient with papilledema i wouldn't go and diagnose a primary headache disorder yes so the next p is progressive headache and funny atypical weird presentation cause migraine can cause uh, this uh, sometimes uh, but i would leave that as a diagnosis of exclusion first and foremost uh, here the anyone who is presenting with progressive headache and something funny something fishy something smelly i would want to make sure that i don't miss other non vascular intracranial disorders including neoplasms so the my other p is pregnancy or postpartum so the pregnancy and postpartum period uh, is uh, a high risk uh, situation uh, because of the prothrombotic tendency and whole lot of metabolic uh, and immunological changes uh, that are happening so the the these patients uh, could have uh, cranial cervical vascular disorders uh, sometimes uh, the these uh, ladies would have had uh, epidural and they could have had uh, some sort of postdural puncture headaches they could have preeclampsia they could have venous sinus thrombosis uh, anemia diabetes other metabolic disorders so any patient around pregnancy 
for postpartum period presenting with headaches. Uh, although the tension type headaches and migraine type headaches uh, can present in that uh, uh, era, of course, uh, I would still regard that as a red flag uh, until I exclude the other things as the cost are uh, really high if we miss them. So the other P is uh, the headache patients with painful eye uh, or autonomic features. Uh, uh, the, you can Google a particular syndrome called Trollosa-Hunt syndrome or cavernous sinus thrombosis, uh, pathology in posterior fossa, pituitary apoplexy, other pituitary pathologies, uh, other ocular pathologies. Uh, so these could present with painful eye and autonomic features. Uh, uh, the painful third nerve pulse is almost uh, pathognomonic of uh, posterior communicating aneurysms uh, depending on the anatomic uh, relation. So I've, again, that's a red flag for me. Patients uh, who present with headaches uh, after football game, uh, concussion, or any other trauma, uh, they, they can be uh, related to other issues uh, such as uh, subdural hematoma or other vascular disorders other than uh, primary headache disorders. That's my next P. So the other two piece that I would like to add is uh, pathology of the immune system uh, in the case of HIV or uh, vaccination uh, the, uh, against uh, COVID-19, as you do hear from uh, various sources, uh, extremely rare adverse effects uh, of uh, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, uh, things uh, like that, uh, and patients with HIV and other immunodeficiency syndromes, uh, they could have various opportunistic infections uh, contributing to headaches also. I would regard that as a red flag also. My last but not least, uh, one of the most important red flag is uh, painkillers overuse uh, or using of a new drug uh, at the onset of headache. So this, uh, I'm trying to address two issues here. One is medication overuse headache, uh, and the second issue is uh, adverse reaction or drug incompatibility. So they are, these are some of the red flags uh, that I mentioned. Obviously, although the SNOOP 10 list gave you like uh, 15, 16 red flags, uh, I didn't cover the whole lot. Uh, I think the, the old adage is uh, medicine is humble science. You keep your eyes and the ears open and keep asking questions uh, would uh, continue to be valid. The there are specific diagnostic criteria to diagnose primary headache disorders such as migraine headache and tension type headaches. But having a good solid red flag list in your armamentarium would, would, would save your career, but indeed it would save your patient's life. Mm. Thank you very much for that very in-depth um, list for red flag diagnosis that medical students cannot miss. 